0: Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in.
1: This week, an exclusive talk with actor Doug Jones on bringing creatures to life, how creatures can save your life, and playing the romantic monster in this year's Oscar frontrunner, The Shape of Water. This is Pop Culture Confidential. everyone so glad to have you back with us here on pop culture confidential now this is a very special show for you movie lovers out there i guarantee it this year's oscar frontrunner has 13 nominations including best director and best picture and it's a beautiful powerful ode to love and otherness the movie is director guillermo del toro's the shape of water And my guest, Doug Jones, plays a huge part in bringing this romantic fantasy to life. As well as having inhabited many other of del Toro's incredible creatures, their collaboration now spans almost 20 years. The Shape of Water is set in 1960s Baltimore in the Cold War era. Doug Jones, he plays a stunning, nameless amphibian fishman who's found in the Amazon and taken to a secret government lab for experimentation. There, he falls in love with Eliza, a mute cleaning lady played by Sally Hawkins. It's a romance like nothing we've ever seen before.
0: We need to take it apart, learn how it works. What happened? It's an animal, just keeping it tame. I can either save him or
2: let him die. Don't do this, Eliza. Don't do this!
0: He's a wild creature. We can't ask him to be anything else. You were speaking Russian, Bob! Where is it? Sit down! Finish the job, son. Eliza,
2: honey,
1: he's coming for you. When Del Toro won for Best Director this year at the Golden Globes, he held a very moving speech. He said, Since childhood, I've been faithful to monsters. I've been saved and absolved by them. And for the past two decades, Doug Jones has been an integral part of this storytelling. He has starred in six films, one TV series, and played 12 characters for the director, some of del Toro's most iconic monsters, like Abe Sapien in Hellboy. And from Pan's Labyrinth, you remember that very scary character with his eyes in his hands, the Pale Man, and that's just to name a few. Doug Jones, he's an actor, a former mime, and a contortionist. He can seemingly control his body and survive makeup effect challenges that few can withstand, all while bringing depth and character to his creatures. Besides his work with Del Toro, Jones has over 100 credits to his name, including the Silver Surfer and Saru in the acclaimed series Star Trek Discovery, and it was just announced that he will star in the much-awaited FX series What We Do in the Shadows. His critically acclaimed role as the amphibian man in The Shape of Water reunites him for the sixth time with Del Toro in a role as the romantic love interest, something a bit new in his repertoire. Mr. Doug Jones, congratulations on all your great success with The Shape of Water, and thank you so much for joining me.
2: Oh, well, thank you for having me. And yes, yes, it's been a fun ride.
1: So... I wanted to start because after almost, correct me if I'm wrong, a 20-year collaboration with Mr. Guillermo del Toro, you must almost have your own language. How did he introduce The Shape of Water, this new character, and the character's arc this time around?
2: <laughs> right. Yes. At, well, uh, yeah, we met in 1997. So uh, over these past 20-some years, um, um, we have developed a shorthand, I guess, um, and part of that is when he introduces a movie idea to me, I just say yes before I hear what it's about because I trust him. <laughs> Which in this time, uh, th- th- when I got the details, it was in his office um, in Toronto while we were filming *Crimson Peak*, and he said, "Hey, ah, come in, shut the door." Uh, and uh, oh God, and that's the best! Me, in
1: th- <laughs> that's the best! That sounds just like him. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Go ahead. Well,
2: yeah, and, and the last time he heard me do an imitation of his voice, he said, "Do I sound like that?" Uh, <laughs> y- yes, yes, y- yes, you do. <laughs> so, um, but, but he was telling me about about the idea of this uh, uh, this basic movie, you know, nineteen sixty two uh, U.S. government um, science lab, and, uh, and and they had an asset, and he wants me to play that creature that was been brought in from the Amazon. Okay, so that's like yes, a no brainer. Of course, I. That sounds like our usual our usual fare, uh, and uh, he and he said, "Well, the, the reason I wanted to ask you about this uh, this early is because, uh, well, there's a there's a you're going to get it on. <laughs> get, we're going to get so wait. you mean? Oh dear. And then I said, like, <laughs> I said, so what? Do you mean like like what? I don't understand. A, a, a creature and a woman uh, together. Uh, yeah, there's a bathtub involved." A bathtub. So that's that's why I said, "Well, Guillermo, why don't you start at the beginning of the story and get me to the bathtub, and then we'll see how I feel about it all." Because and his main concern is was he said, "Well, I know you're a good Catholic boy, and I want to make sure you're going to be morally okay with this." (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so once he told me this beautiful story, though, and and unfolded how that uh, the cleaning woman is the really the the centerpiece of the movie, who. uh, who works at this US facility and she sees me in the lab and, and meets me for the first time uh, and she's mute I don't speak either so we have this nonverbal glance at each other that that where we kind of our souls know each other from from somewhere before or something it's like there's a connect instant connection and from the, from there she comes back to visit me over her lunch breaks on her night shift in the middle of the night and she brings me Hard-boiled eggs to eat with her, or she brings me a, a a portable record player so we can learn to love music together. Uh, she teaches teaching me uh, bits of sign language that she speaks. Uh, uh, so it's just a, a a beautiful getting to know you story until uh, she overhears that the that the scientists are going to end my life by by one final you know uh, uh, sort of a biopsy autopsy that will, that will, that will kill me. Uh, That's when she freaks out and decides she's going to uh, get me out of there. And and she gets her friends together. Of course, this, this lead role played by Sally Hawkins, who is an exquisite actress. Ah, she's sprinkled with pixie dust. She's magical. And, um, Uh, So, she enlists the help of her best friend, Octavia Spencer, on on the cleaning crew with her at this facility, and also her next-door neighbor, Richard Jenkins. And the two of them – so, these three – Invisible, quiet, voiceless, underdog type characters uh, uh, pull off a coup that that takes away a, a government asset f- from the bigwigs, and and it's it was just such a great triumphant story of the love the little guy coming out on top.
1: Yeah, I want to I want to talk to you more about creating this character and, and this but but getting into what you're saying now about sort of creating these stories about otherness and monsters. Mister Del Toro had a really touching speech when he won. And the Golden Globe, where he basically said, I mean, not even basically, he did say that these monsters and stories have actually saved his life in several instances, mm-hmm. including this one. Do you understand that? And it's been the same for you during your long career of creating these stories?
2: Uh, yes, absolutely. Because um, yeah. uh, I feel like I'm a monster myself, in, in a way, and, I, and I think anybody... Who is slightly who isn't perfect uh, who understands what it feels like to be the monster in the room, um, and and you know when I was when I was a teenager I thought I was the only one.
1: Why would you say you're a monster? Well, uh,
2: as a teenager, I'm 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 tall. I'm very tall. I'm very skinny. Uh, I was not athletically inclined. I, I was I ran track and cross country, but I didn't know how to. I couldn't ba- bounce a basketball, uh, and so. When you grow up in Indiana, in the Midwest, in America, uh, that that's a great way to be made fun of if you (laughs) Mm -hmm. don't fit that perfect small sliver of what's considered normal. So, uh, so for me, I I was like, I was an odd-looking class clown, and so I I developed a sense of humor as as a a means of survival. So, so when when asked to play monsters, uh, then I'm I'm obviously the odd one in the room because I'm made up to be so. But uh, but I can relate to the heart and soul of what that feels like because uh, the classic monster tales that, that inspired Guillermo and the movies he makes himself with a creature in it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, the creature is always a, a sympathetic being where um where he didn't ask for the situation he's in um and and the humans uh there's the bad guy in the movies usually a human who's just who's narcissistic and getting it a bit wrong and and making making abusing his power that kind of thing right so uh, so i can relate to the monster who didn't ask to be where he is and 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 is just trying to survive and and being uh, being looked at and and made fun of, or are or, or being thought to be an outcast. Um, when in the end, he's the leading man in his own life. So, uh, so these the movies and tales that that uh, Mister Del Toro tells it empowers that feeling in us that you don't have to transform into a handsome prince in order to find love. You can you can find the beauty that you walked in the room with. In the first place, so
1: both of you had these uh, sort of a connection with these feelings and made something beautiful out of it, really, with your careers. Yeah. Uh, but let's get to this this character here. Um, I understand, and I quote, Mr. Del Toro, that your mission was to create the Michelangelo's David of amphibian men, <laughs> which is a pretty <laughs> tall order. Um, tell me a saying. little about researching him before we get into the the costume and such. How, what what kind of research did you do, or did you do any?
2: Well, I could not go to the merman nursing home and interview any real characters. So I had to, we had to kind of make this up from Fantasyland, um, which is great. I love characters like that that you can start from scratch. Uh, there there was some inspiration from uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon, but I did not go back and rewatch that movie to get because I, I did not want to do any kind of copying or right. uh, mimicking of of the, that beautiful performance from from nineteen fifty four. I really wanted to um, to make this my own and and our own character. Uh, so for me, it was more a matter of, of of finding the heart and soul of this beast. Now Guillermo kept telling me, Dougie, you are the romantic leading man mm-hmm. of this movie and so i was like wow wow and that that was the, the challenge i had i've never been a romantic leading man of anything <laughs> except my own life <laughs> and 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 thank heaven mrs Laurie bought that but mm. but uh but in uh, in, uh, in on film or television i've been the goofy sidekick i've been the the creepy monster i've been the, the never never been the the love in, the centerpiece love interest so uh that was new for me and um and so finding that was a combination of n- not being able to be human at all mm. uh, guillermo wanted me to 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 uh to squelch and to, to push aside all my human instincts yeah
1: because it's still quite animalistic it's not a right. person i mean really
2: right and i I'd played a fish man before for him in the hellboy movies uh abe sapien who was very human very uh very articulate very right. very big vocabulary gestured with his hands like a gentleman would do Um uh, so he wanted none of that. He wanted an animal from the wild, and in addition to that, I—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's, um, it's hinted at in the dialogue of this film that I was worshipped as a river god in the Amazon by the local people there. So Guillermo said he wanted me to hold myself with a a certain posture and a regalness and a royalness that that would. And a, a heroic uh, sort of stance that would warrant that kind of worship. Right. Okay. The next thing he gave me was uh, he wanted me to sprinkle in a little bit of matador. Mm. So, uh, like a toreador, a, you know, a bullfighter. And when you think about those guys, they are very sexy. Uh, they lead with the pelvis and they're confident as they and as And the they butt, face. right?
1: The nice little and, the, past- and
2: they've got great butts, exactly. <laughs> So, so, uh, so I did ha- So I did kind of twist my posture always, and and, and, and push my pelvis forward first. Uh, that's uh, I tried to lead with the pelvis.
1: That's really interesting. I can really see that now, and like especially, I, I, I'm seeing you in that in the movie theater when you're standing, mm-hmm. the character standing straight. up I really see what you're talking about—the matador stance. Yeah.
2: Uh, mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because he never he said never stand straight up and down. I want you to to give it that that uh, like like you're a, like you're a superhero sculpture. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> with a, yeah, with a, a sexy one though. <laughs> so and and that that gets me to the bathtub, by the way, if i can if I can continue that 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 yes, please. right, 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 so uh back in his office when he was telling me about the story, and he gets and he gets to the tub after Eliza does kidnap me and 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 successfully gets me uh rescued from the the u s facility there's no place else in my in her apartment that she can keep me, but the bathtub ah ha <laughs> so. Now, now we are unsupervised and we are un uh, you know, there's no, no wall or chains between us and no glass between us. And, um, and that love that was budding back in the lab now can be realized in the privacy of her own home. So, so that's when I realized, okay, this is, this is a, this is a beautiful story. It's not, it's not a sex scene. It's more of a, of of an innocent love story that's coming to pass. And, um, And I I said the good Catholic boy in me uh, is not offended at all because I don't know that there's even biblical protocol for animals in the wild.
1: And Sally Hawkins is so vulnerable in those scenes. She really is just this gorgeous performance. um, Yes. Which must have been quite, you know, I don't know if it's difficult, but Uh, magic. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing.
2: She is, yeah. No, she, uh, you know (sighs) – she wears her emotions right out on her sleeve. She, you, she doesn't hide anything from you uh, in person or on film. She, she's a beautiful human being, and we really got along so, so well. The the luxury that Guillermo gave us, though, to find our chemistry together, uh, because, you know, you do. That's the, the worry we both had, Sally and I both had coming into this was, how do we make this believable for an audience too like they have to fall in love with me as everybody as much as she does right
1: yeah because I'm thinking so I'm just uh, one point before you go on when when you get a script like this as an actor some at some point it must go through your head like this can either be absolutely amazing or just... Oh my God! You, I mean, depending or
2: or, or, or downright hilarious. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You, well, that you do think about that, but um, but the, the, what makes this different though is that it's Guillermo del Toro telling it, and, um, uh, you, and knowing that, and this is my sixth movie with him. So knowing what his what his storytelling style is and his, his uh, artistic touch is. I knew we were headed somewhere uh, with, that would get some critical acclaim on this one. I, I knew that when he in that office that day when he was first telling me the story, I thought to myself, this could be the one if he's left if he's left alone to do his, to do his magic and not not too controlled by a studio over his head. Uh, and he found the first the the perfect home with Fox Searchlight. They really took very good care of him by, by giving him his budget and backing off and letting him make his art. And mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, they they had very few notes for us when we were filming, which was really uh, unusual and a big luxury for them to get, to afford us that.
1: You were mentioning the luxury with you and Sally Hawkins in those bathroom scenes. So What yes. were you heading for?
2: Right, right. Uh, the luxury of time. Mm-hmm. before we filmed uh we had some rehearsal time and not every movie gives you that so okay. we uh, we we ended up on location in toronto about three weeks early uh before filming started so that we could um rehearse a little a little a little uh, one particular scene that needed some choreography done um so we uh, uh had time to work on a little dance number um together that was a fantasy sequence and um and during our rehearsals for that, neither one of us being coming in as a professional dancer, mm-hmm. we uh, had the uh, had time together. Uh, when you're doing dance rehearsals all day in a in a, in a big room with a mirror and a, and a wood floor, uh, and, a, and a choreographer who's taking care of you, we had lots of time to giggle together, to cry together, to share stories. To how was your day? How was your yesterday? Oh, you're feeling? Uh, you know, I, I think I've got the flu today. whatever whatever, we went through everything together in those three weeks. And um, and, uh, and we really connect, and we both shared our insecurities and our fears and and uh, so by the time the cameras rolled, we, we had each other's back. We were we had a trust between us and a deep affection for each other that I just dearly hope uh, translated into our chemistry on film.
1: I'm going to get into your your costume and, and makeup with some, some questions about that. But I mean, really, Sally is, is completely sort of naked, and and, anyway, and you're you're sort of in full costume. That must have been mm-hmm. quite a mo- daunting moment for her in in a sense. I mean, I'm not an actress, <laughs> so I'm not sure, but I mean, those scenes.
2: Yeah, well, it is vulnerable enough for an actress to uh, dis- disrobe on film in in any situation. Uh, but then to add the absurdity of doing it with a fish man monster, uh, again, only del Toro could pull this off with some taste and class. So uh, uh, and, and but I think that that layer of rubber on me, my character, my character was 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 naked all the time. Uh, right, uh, right. The, the character was, but even though I was encased in rubber, so that that, <laughs> that that gave me a certain level of comfort on myself. But but yes, I was concerned for Sally in in those the, those scenes where where we had to be a bit more intimate, and the robe came off. So um, so what what happened? What, they were very they were very tasteful and good to her. Um, uh, there were barricades set up on set, and, and there were uh, it was a closed set with no visitors allowed that day, and. Um, uh, uh, the crew wasn't even; uh, it was you know, blocked from looking at her between takes and things. And, and the funny thing was that when we were embracing, I asked her when w- after we would hear cut. Mm-hmm. I asked her; I, I, I lifted up to her. I, I said, "Now, if you want to remain right here in this embrace and keep your cover your front covered, I'm happy to just stand right here." And she said, "Yes, can we please?" Oh. So, mm-hmm. so that's what we did between takes. We just we just kept our embrace, and that really actually helped our characters um, stay connected too. It was really very nice.
1: Yeah, that's kind of beautiful. It sounds like the movie itself. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But tell me a little bit about this incredible costume and makeup. Um, I'm sorry if I don't have the, the wording mm-hmm. right. Um, what what was the process? How long did it take?
2: Well, on the on the day, it took, it took very little time uh, by comparison. When you're doing a full head-to-toe body transformation uh, into a creature, it can take anywhere from five to seven hours uh, uh, per day. But this one was only three hours a day. And because so much, so much of the pieces I wore were, um, uh, you, it, it's it was a combination of suit and makeup. Now a suit is something you slip into and zip up the back. A makeup is something glued onto you or sprayed or painted onto you, right? Mm-hmm. So this was a combination of both. Um, so from the neck down, I was pretty much a suit. So I could, it, it was very tight, very form fitting, very perfectly, uh, you know, fit to my every nook and cranny. Uh, so, uh, so I, and I had had to have help getting it on because it was skin tight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was from the neck down, and then there were gloves put on over over that, and and uh, with the webbed fingers, and then the the neck and the head and the face were were assembled piece by piece. But those pieces were pre molded, pre painted back at the sh- shop in L.A. Mm-hmm. So so the makeup artist's job was to assemble everything and then give it finishing touches. So they could they could accomplish all that with their expertise in only three hours. So I was ac- incredibly happy about that.
1: And how heavy is it? I mean, how restricted are you?
2: Oh yeah, kind of. Um, uh, no, the, the fact that I that I could that I could stand straight up and down and was uh, was on two feet like a human that helps. The farther you get away from human, the, the more difficult a creature suit or makeup is to wear. Uh, and thank heaven he was humanoid, so that that helped a lot. Um, So, uh, but but I did have some restriction. I couldn't raise my hands straight over my head uh, because I had some underarm webbing. I had you know, uh, and the suit was just tight enough. But I could squat all the way down to the floor. So I did have enough hip. Rotation movement Uh, Mm -hmm. in those scenes where I'm in Giles's apartment uh, and I find his cat for the first time. Right, very animalistic. Uh, Right, right. So the crawling on the floor thing became rather important. So uh, so I was able to do all that. Uh, So, fork as a creature suit goes, this one had a lot more mobility than usual.
1: But, I mean, may I ask, like, between how long were you wearing it? Could you do sort of, you know, could you eat and go to the bathroom mm. and that type of thing? Well, now,
2: now, now, now there's the conversation. Because, <laughs> because, Sorry. Um, like, well, no, well, you know, but when sculpting this this uh, this creature in in his beginnings and, and how to make the suit in the first place, it, uh, Guillermo will tell you it went through three years of development. So, and in those three years, it went through so many re-sculpts and re- paintings and re uh, the lips aren't quite kissable enough yet can you make the top one a bit more fuller and the uh uh, uh little notes like this and the butt the butt the butt mm-hmm. <laughs> that that backside of mine was was tooled and retooled and re-sculpted and reshaped so many turned times <laughs> to make and it turned out great
1: but wasn't yes. usable Sorry
2: that. Yeah, well, that's just it. No, the, a beautiful ass comes at a price, and that would mean <laughs> that there's there's no, there's no trap door back there for to, to use any facilities oh. during the day. So I had to make sure and take care of uh, of my of my insides before before we would film, and th- I would be in that that uh, the costume part of that the the suit part of that for you know a good 10 12 hours a day Wow! Uh, once once it was on and then getting it off was another half hour so uh so i had to really had to be sure now there was a front flap that i could take care of of uh a certain like number one right right but um <laughs> But well, that's good. The, <laughs> but, yes, mm-hmm. but with the webbed fingers on uh, and the claws in on those rubber hands, oh, right. I had no dexterity to actually use that front flap. So it, one hand it would it would come off at lunchtime, so I could actually use a bathroom break and eat some lunch and and hope for the best. So I, d- I did. <laughs> uh, I did sort of. Uh, gauge and temper my water intake during the day so that I wouldn't have to go to the bathroom several times. I just, I saved it for lunchtime. So it, I did have to trick my body into not using its normal functions every right. day.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm imagining you must need water too. I mean, it, it has to be pretty hot and, and, you
2: know, right. Well, you know, what helped was I spent, I spent a good time, a good portion of time in water. So that, that did help keep me right, cool. Of mm. Uh, when I was, um, when i was in the in the laboratory in that pool or in the bathtub at Sally's apartment uh, you know so there was uh, there were or oh gosh or that that uh one of our final scenes in the movie were out on, out on the docks uh and uh uh, next to a river. Mm-hmm. And we shot that scene in October in Toronto. So it was freezing cold out and it, we had a rain machine spritzing through the air. So we were being pelted with cold water at, at, in an already cold in, night and it was windy and oh my goodness. So that was one night that I was really happy to have a rubber suit on.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it true? I mean, you make it sound really easy. I mean, you've been you're doing this for long, but I, I heard a rumor that that there was a dancer that had to do some sort of scene in this suit, and he actually projectile vomited from wearing it. Is this true?
2: Oh well, uh, yeah, it's an unfortunate tale. Uh, okay. Now, for uh, my, there, we did because there was a dance fantasy sequence in this movie. Uh, they, everyone was worried about me being in this fish suit, and and uh, even though we went through all the dance rehearsals and I learned the routine just fine, uh, the 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 fear was am I going to be able to do this in that fish suit costume? Cause we were doing the rehearsals in it, it with me in a t-shirt and shorts. Right. So <laughs> it changes, it changes everything when you become a fish man. Of course. Uh, right. So, so they, they did uh, hire a professional dancer for me and also for Sally. We both had dance doubles uh, to just in case they could do a pass and, and use any bits that, that there was a, there was a lift and a, there, there was a, a lift and a and a, and a leg spin right. uh, that that uh, those are the only two split seconds in the dance scene that are that, that the doubles stepped in for, but uh, but yes but on the day on the day we were filming, uh, they wanted to do a, a pass with the, the the dance doubles in their entirety like a. Do the entire routine and film the whole thing, and my dance double—he is a beautiful dancer, by the way—a a local from Toronto. And I'm not going to give you his name because it's not a good story about him, but, <laughs> uh, but but he, uh, he he did such a great job though and, and, and watching him dance it's like gosh I, I want to be like him one day and but with a fish suit on he had never worn prosthetic makeup so he'd never had his head encased in something rubbery before so that that does come at, at, a, at a cost uh, psychologically emotionally for for someone who hasn't done it before Um you never know when claustrophobia is going to set in and uh unfortunately uh he it did on he 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 started oh, right. he he overheated and and had to breathe heavily and and, and you know had to be so i did to, i did my best to calm him down since i've been through so much of this i i <laughs> i basically held his hand and and, and helped him help coach him through the moment
1: i mean uh, the, uh, strength on his part but it does really say something about what you're actually doing in all these movies. and and to be able to do this 12 hours a day on so many, I mean, it's pretty incredible.
2: Oh well, you're very kind. Thank you. I, uh, I, I've, I, I don't think I'm doing anything extraordinary until I, until I guess until it's compared with somebody who doesn't do it every day. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and the poor guy, yeah, the poor guy, he did end up uh, uh, vomiting because uh, he got, he, had, he was so worked up. But um, he made it through the day, and he actually went did did one pass of the dance routine. Uh, uh, he he was a trooper and he stuck it out. He really oh, did. I, I, I have to. I'm going to give him credit. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but yeah. But in the end, yeah, it is Sally and I doing the entire dance routine except for two split seconds.
1: But that's one of the things that you are very very graceful. I mean, if you're playing someone who's supposed to be a bit terrifying, or even as this romantic lead, um, huh? what do you? I mean, in your movements, I mean, really, and 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 in yourself, what, what do you attribute that to in your career or your training, hmm. or is that just you? Oh.
2: <laughs> well, for, well, first of all, thank you so much for thinking I'm graceful, because uh, <laughs> uh, I think I'm a clunky dork myself. But uh, but uh, you know, I I think um, combination of 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 being tall and skinny. Uh, I, I I've tried to. I've tried to channel uh, some some grace with that when I when I walk and talk <laughs> over the years, but I think having having a background as a mime mm-hmm. uh, helped 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 inform my body how to express itself uh, visually when not having to rely on verbal dialogue all the time.
1: I'm thinking, especially if the listeners want to look at your work in Pound's Labyrinth. There's just something yeah. so graceful about
2: thank you that. well that's very sweet to you thank you I well I as a person as a human being uh, on my own time I do talk with my hands a lot I, I they're always up in the air uh, trying to make my point for me mm-hmm. that kind of thing so that does translate into my to my creature characters an awful lot and and that's why again this time uh, my my instinct is to get my hands going when I'm a, when I'm playing a creature that doesn't have verbal dialogue especially and Guillermo had to keep reminding me to uh, uh, keep my hands alive, but keep them animal and keep them down. Uh, you're not you're not a sapien here. So he would. Uh, so uh, his quick shorthand of doing that would just give me a growl. He'd go, "Dougie, Dougie, how?" <laughs> that, that was his way of telling me, uh, "Yeah, lose the human." <laughs> right,
1: right, right. Um, I just want to ask you about. And um, I was just reading that you have. I think you finished um, Nosferatu, where you're playing Count Orlok, um, which truly is one of the most iconic film characters in history. I mean, for us who have studied film, I mean, Nosferatu is just something. Um, How did you prepare for that one? And what was that like?
2: Oh, well, that was a lifelong dream for me. Uh, uh, if had you asked me, um, you know, five years ago, is there a character you haven't played yet that you would love to? It would have been yes. I would love to be a classic vampire, uh, and, and most likely uh, uh, Count Orlock in Nosferatu. And uh, so now I, I can sit here today and tell you I did it. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, we did a uh, what's called a remix uh, because we, uh, we actually mm-hmm. used. Part of the old film as, a, as our backdrop. Uh, so every every shot of our movie had a green screen element to it. Um, uh, we, we, we actors were shot on green screen for every shot. We would have props and set pieces and things in the foreground, but then he's going to composite together. Uh, that bit of the new with the bit of the old from the old film, I, so there will be a piece of the old film in every shot of our movie, which mm-hmm. I'm super excited about that I got to actually play in that classic <laughs> uh, environment.
1: Right, but with Max Shrek and everything, or just with the sort of backgrounds, no, or uh, right? No,
2: no, uh, n- none of the original actors. Just the backgrounds and the and the uh, and, and the the scenery, the sets, um, and it, all all the actors are are, are uh, us new folk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the the character of Count uh, yes, I did. Now, this is one case where I did watch the original film, because we were doing such a scene-by-scene a scene homage to the original film. I wanted to see Max Shrek one more time, get his style, figure out what the magic was that made him so iconic in that role. Right. But... Then I, I had to close my eyes and forget about it, and then go into the role and, and give it give it my own spin. But but with with that information that, that that Max blessed me with by watching him one more time,
1: right? And when can we see this? When is it out?
2: What well, right distribution is is the next question? Um, now because because Nosferatu is a, a public domain property, uh, uh, it's it was done on an independent budget. So, um, it was anybody can do that story now. Uh, so, so it was, uh um, uh, it's finished now we did we had a couple of days of of pickup reshoots mm-hmm. uh, and that that was uh, f- about 3 4 months ago and um so i was told then that that the movie will be completed and ready about mid year uh, so i think we can look for it in the fall of 2018
1: well that will be that'll, i can't wait for that one and and just finally why do you think that the shape of water resonates so much this year i mean in terms of oscar but just in an audience wise um why do you think so
2: well i think uh you know if you want to make um social or political parallels with this movie you certainly can um and i think that's what what's beautiful about uh guillermo's storytelling and his way of making a film like this is that uh he makes it in a way that it's 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 open to interpretation everybody in the audience might be dealing with something different that day and they're all going to find uh uh solace and resolution and escape uh, uh in this movie from wherever they're sitting so uh so especially in this day and age where uh, i i think in america anyway we are more divided now than we've ever been mm-hmm. uh in my life in my lifetime and uh, going back to 1962 and seeing this uh this idyllic world that was that was emerging where the, you know everyone's looking toward the future with um you know cars with wings on them and and you know sparkly new kitchens and bouffant hairdos and you know tailored suits it, it was like well huh uh, uh it seemed like a perfect time and yet there was a lot of a lot of uh, uh a lot of inequalities going on and a lot of uh, like and like the the central characters in this story are the invisible and the voiceless one of them literally voiceless so uh, i think it it it's a message that we all do we all can find our voice. We all can find the beauty in our imperfections, and we all can find love. I think that's a universal story that's that's timeless.
1: Right. And before I leave you, I'm going to ask an insensitive question because it was just the news this week. Have you heard about oh, the I, dildo? Oh, I know
2: exactly <laughs> where you're going. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is. You know. You know. After you pour your heart and soul and blood, sweat and tears into a beautiful, magical character in a beautiful, magical film. The last thing I want to be remembered for is a dildo that comes in two sizes. <laughs> right? Right? Isn't that I, 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 how? Oh. It just, oh, it just, it feels like, oh, uh, and, and, you know, and no other Oscar nominated movie has to deal with this question, do they? <laughs> no, <laughs> just no, us. True. No, just us.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I'm, I'm but I'm sure it's, it's impressive and, and matadorian. Uh, uh,
2: I, I, I'm not sure that the, the maker of this particular adult toy um, uh, took any of that into consideration. I think they were just hoping to make a buck off of Etsy.
1: Right, right. Um, Mr. Jones, I really wish you guys luck at the Oscars. I'll be following um, your work, and I'm looking forward both to um, Nosferatu and your new FX series. Of course, that was also big news. And thank you so much for taking your time. I know that you have so much now in this award season.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Actually, uh, again, the um, the series you're talking about is what we do in the shadows. And I was just in the in the pilot episode as a guest. I'm actually a series regular on Star Trek: Discovery, which is my more full time television commitment now. Right. So we're. Uh, we're gearing up to start filming season two in a few months. So, uh, so there, because of our season one finale actually should be should be airing in in your country uh, today. Monday. Oh,
1: exciting! Well, good. Yeah. Then we yeah, have yeah. that, and we have um, Shape of Water Netflix. on Netflix, right? And we have yeah. Shape of yeah. Water on Valentine's Day, Wednesday. So that's uh,
2: there. You go. Yes, yes, yes. So, perfect. so take a date. Take a date and fall in love again.
1: Thank you so much <laughs> for your time.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, Christina, thank you so much. It's been absolutely delightful to talk with you.
1: Thank you to Doug Jones. The Shape of Water is out in the U.S. and premieres in Sweden on Valentine's Day, February 14th. And best of luck at the Oscars in a few weeks. And thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter, at PodPopCulture. We're on Instagram and... um, if you can, take a moment to rate us on iTunes or SoundCloud. It really helps other listeners who are interested in our types of topics and guests to find us. So that would be great. This show was edited by Tom Hansen, theme music by Carl Boy, produced by Renee Vikander and myself. I'm Christina Yerling Biro. Thank you so much for listening.